It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. There's uh, gross disparities in how the war on drugs was applied across our country. Now we're fighting against years of brainwashing. A 16-year-old lad apprehended in the act of staging a holdup. 16 years old and a marijuana addict. Meanwhile, warfighters in my community are killing themselves at a rate of 22 a day. All this stuff, it's, it's, it made me feel like a complete piece of shit. I didn't want to live, you know what I mean? So we need academia to embrace it. We need our politicians to embrace it. We need our physician community to embrace it so that the patients win at the end of the day. The Up Life is a production of The Unprescribed Nonprofit. This show is made possible by contributions from supporters just like you. Become a patron for as little as $3 a month to receive exclusive benefits and support a worthy cause. Visit patreon.com slash the unprescribed. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on social. We are the unprescribed. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Up Life, the show that inspires us to live life to the fullest. I'm your host, Steve Elmore, founder of the unprescribed nonprofit. And I'm Sharissa Jackson, founder and CEO of We Decode. Teresa and I are both Air Force veterans and suicide prevention advocates. Today, we're joined by another fellow airman, Lakeidra Houston. Thank you for having me. Teresa, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa, Lakeidra, and I uh, began a metaphorical journey together when we joined the U.S. Air Force. Along the way, we overcame trauma, and in the end, we returned changed. While our experiences are uniquely different, we found a new purpose in life, a new mission to help others. The idea behind this show is to inspire and uplift our audience. Thank you, Lakeidra, for joining us. We're excited to have you. Teresa, over to you. So, Lakeidra, you and I have shared our experiences together personally, um, you know, not just from different shows and just having girl girl talk. But today we really want to get into your story. So let's start with you telling us who you are and your journey to where you've become. Yeah, so I'm Lakeja Houston. I'm a 20-year Air Force veteran. Um, I spent 10 years as security forces and then 10 years as a recruiter. So recruiting the brightest and the best, right? Air Force. <laughs> yes. So, um, yes. I forgot so about my, that. I'm, a, huh? I'm like a 20, I'm like a 12-year Air Force recruiting veteran. That's what I did <laughs> for the majority of my career. Keep going, Lakeja. Tell me all. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I actually I came in recruiting. It just happened to be a recruiter. Um, I was very shy and I was very nervous and I was scared to even talk to people. So um, honestly, when people say recruiter recruiting is a um, they don't like the job. I loved it because it actually saved my life to where I'm at to this point of talking about overcoming challenges and helping others see, um, you know, that there's greater things outside of trauma. So that's where I'm at right now. So recruiting saved my life, honestly. And and that's so amazing because, you know, you and I share some 
on some challenges. I mean, you and I were both single parents, right? Mm-hmm. I had twin daughters, you had a son. And a lot of people don't realize how challenging that is when you're in the military, you have to deploy, you have to transition from one base to the other and, and finding school for your kids and setting up house all over again. So how did you overcome that particular challenge and being a single mom, not because you were in the military, but just being a mom, period. How did you overcome doing that by yourself? It was it was tough because um, my son was six weeks and I was told I was going on deployment. So I just had him and I went straight to training for a deployment. And then a few months later, I was out deployed. So I didn't see my son for the first, you know, six months after I had him. So it was a struggle. It was tough. Um, The only people that helped me were my grandparents. Unfortunately, my father had passed. So it was my grandparents that stepped in and uh, took care of him. But with everything going with the deployment, um, it kind of messed everything up because I had to actually um, had to stay away longer and got orders to different places I wasn't ready for. So it kind of put a wedge between our relationship. But, um, you know, now we're in a better place. But it was it was it was it was tough. It was a struggle. Oh, yeah. I remember having to call my parents and say, hey, I got to deploy to Iraq. And they were like, well, what's going to happen to the girls? And and they end up coming to help me until I got the girls to their father. And I mean, I had three deployments. So every time I was deployed, I had to figure it out. And I think people don't realize how challenging that can be. Right. To not only yeah. have to worry about them while you're on your deployment, then, but also to take care of yourself. So it was very challenging. And to know that you're here talking to us, you overcame that. Um, It's it's quite remarkable because people don't understand being in the military in itself has its own challenges. And so for you, you know, you, you and I share that, but we also share something that is very near and dear to my heart. And um, I didn't experience it, but you did experience it. And a lot of women in the military experience it. And that's military sexual trauma. And so let's talk about that, because I know that is a very sensitive topic. And we know that a lot of women do suffer from that. And a lot of them suffer through that in silence. And so let's let's talk about how you overcame that and um, where you are today dealing with um, that trauma. Yes. Yeah, so honestly, um, to say you overcame it, it's really hard to say because I deal with it every day. You know, every day you're con- you're going through it. You may have those sense of smells that remind you of the person, or you may walk around and see a guy that looks like him, and you're like, uh. So I would honestly say when I first um, got assaulted, um, I was very. I was 19. I just got into the military, so I didn't know anything. I only been in the military at my first base, not even 30 days before I got assaulted. So total six about six months in the military um it was a struggle um because i did i dealt with sexual trauma as a child and then to go in the military when you're trying to hide from it and get away from it for it to happen again it was like oh my god what is going on so it was a different um struggle because i blame myself for it um repeatedly you know going through these traumas so how I overcame it honestly um or start working through it is i start identifying like, why is this happening? Is it something I'm doing or is it just these people? And understanding that it wasn't me, it's just the people that was around, honestly. So um, I started seeking, I started drinking heavily for the past probably six, seven years of my life. I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And to be if to be around other women who were sexually assaulted that were like, I, well, you can't say anything because if you say anything, number one, you get kicked out the military. Number two, they take your weapon away. And thinking you have no nowhere to go, you're just like, okay, I can't say anything. Or 
everything I dreamed of is going to go down the drain. So it was, it was a struggle for me. And so drinking was my go-to. And there are times that, you know, I will tell y'all this, there are times that I was so drunk that I would wake up next to a, a guy I didn't even know, don't know how I got there, don't know anything, but just know that if I was sexually assaulted, I I, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't re- recall it. So being a single mother, my son being away, it was, it was, I have to do something. I have to figure this out. And unfortunately, 2009, I said, I'm just going to kill myself. He'll be better without me. You know, I'm tired of dealing with this pain, this trauma. I'm just going to go ahead and let it go. And um, I think in that moment when somebody came and got the gun away from me, he was my ex-husband right now. He got the the gun away from me. I think in that moment, I was like, I have something to live for. Um, Right before that, my sister was raped and killed. Mm -hmm. So it was going through it, like so much going on. And I just wanted to get away. And I think um, the thing that helped me was understanding, you know, it's not my fault, number one, seeking a counselor, number two, and understanding I have more to live for. And so that's where I'm at right now at this moment, figuring myself and healing. I want to piggyback on a couple of things that you just said there. My own personal experiences, kind of similar to yours, the alcohol very much a factor and things like that. But the career killing thought, you're worried about your gun getting taken away and things like that. For me, and I think the majority, probably even a lot of the, the the cops out there, especially, I was oh I had a problem with depression and anxiety and an abusive relationship and a lot of mental health issues. And I never sought out any kind of counseling or help because I thought it was going to end my career. Right. And the only reason I'm a mental health advocate to this day is because of my suicide attempt when I didn't have I didn't take my work home and I didn't take my problems to work. And both of them were at an issue at the time. And we'll get into that another day. But when I attempted my suicide, just like you, somebody came to my rescue and fortunately saved me. And when I did, I wound up in Walter Reed and in the psych ward. And they put me on an anti-anxiety medicine, finally determining that the depression wasn't the issue. It was all this anxiety and it was a chemical imbalance and things I needed. And from that day forward, I realized that, oh my God, it didn't end my career. Right. right? But yeah, that's yeah. the problem that, and that's why we're, we have this show here today. We're bridging the gap between military and civilian, but for the, for the military listeners, seek help. It's not going to end your career. It's probably going to help you get, get off to where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And you're a nurse, and you continue, Sharisa. Yeah, me as an assist trainer, that really helps people with suicide and figuring out if suicide is the answer and talking to people who are suicidal. One of the things they taught us in training, and you guys can both comment on this, is when someone is thinking about taking their lives and they they are really thinking this, I'm gonna take myself out, it's not because they want it to die, but they just want the pain to go away. You're, you're so downtrodden by the pain and the challenges and the stress and the anxiety. And that's what you really want to go away. It's not that you want to take your life because you have loved ones and you know the impact that's going to have, but you just really want the pain to go away in that moment. And I think that clicked with a lot of people that we train um, on suicide is the fact that you only have a small window of opportunity to help somebody. And in that moment, they're thinking, I just want the divorce to go away. I just want my unemployment to go away. I just want the sexual trauma and the PTSD to go away. They really don't want to do harm to themselves. 
So we have to be available to people when they come to us, when they're having those issues and address that, not the fact that they want to take their lives. Because innately, we're not designed by nature to take our lives. We're, de- we're right. designed to deal with stress. And if we can't deal with stress, this is what our brain tells us. And so right. for you, Lakidra, you know, when you were in that hopeless, that's the moment you were in when you decided to take your life, when you were hopeless, what was it besides your ex-husband taking the gun away from you? What gave you hope after he took that gun away from you to say, I'm not going to do it again? What was it for you? Um, I honestly, it was my faith. Um, and that's the thing. It was, it was, it was so weird because in that moment I was like, I'm meant to be here. Like something, something clicked in me for some reason. And it was the first time I felt peace with not doing it. Like it's not your time yet. And it was so weird. And I just sat there and I was like, God, what are you telling me? What is going on? But before then, I tried to reach out to people for a support system because, again, you know, like we said, we didn't want the military to know. So I told my grandparents, I told family members, and it was, no, that's, you know, just the devil. Go pray about it. It will go away. There's no thing as depression. There's no thing as anxiety. Like, it's all in your head. So I'm like, okay, I'm crazy. Like, that's the first thing. I didn't want to say I had PTSD. I didn't want to say I had trauma because if I did, I was going to go to hell. You know, and when you hear you're going to commit suicide. You're going to hell. You're like, well, at this point, I don't care. I just want to do it and just be happy with just being away. So it was hard not having a support system. So, but it was the inner peace that came over me. Just like, look, it's not your time. You have something to live for. And then I start reflecting on my sister and like, she's not here. It's your time. What are you going to do? She wished she could go out and tell people about her, you know, rapes and things like that. Now you have to carry the torch. So that's what gave me hope, just that in that in itself. And it motivated you to stay alive and to figure out how you needed to get the treatment that you needed to to go through your PTSD and go through your trauma. And I think culturally, as people of color, we tend to go and and, and think our faith, we're going to pray this away and mm-hmm. and you know, we're we're gonna talk to my grandmama and my grandmama gonna tell me, you know, how I'm supposed to go through it. And right now, as as the mental health issues in America is heightened. We, we we can't no longer rely on just let's pray it away. We need that support. Right. We need sometimes, you know, professional guidance and professional mm-hmm. support with therapy and maybe even medications for a, a stint. And that's okay to do. And I think it's important for listeners to know whatever route they take, either talking with someone, going to get help, even if you have to be on medications, that is okay because right. they deserve to be here. You found that hope. And to be able to say, I deserve to be here to carry on that torch for my sister is what motivated you. Or was there anything else that motivated you besides your sister and and, and trying to be that advocate for other women who probably have suffered from military sexual trauma? Um, I would honestly, I, I want to say my son, he definitely um, in that moment, my son was another driving force, but I was so selfish. I couldn't I couldn't relate like it was just I would be better off dead for him. You know what I mean? So, but now later looking back, it's like he, I have to be here for him too. I lost my father. I didn't have a good relationship with other family members. So it was, I have to set boundaries. I have to be there for him. So that helped me too. But I think those things that it just is the peace just came over me. Like you have it and it's okay. You're not crazy. You're fine. It's just something, it's a bump that you just went over. 
Um, and th- another thing, you know, I, this happened before when I was 13, I had a f- best friend that committed suicide who was sexually assaulted as well. So that her too, she popped up in my head in that moment too. And I'm like, why? I haven't thought about you in over, you know, 10, 15 years. Why are you coming up? But I dreamed about her after I did it. And it was like, you have something to live for, like, don't, don't do it. So those things helped me as well. So let's talk about, you know, that switch, because now it's great that you found something that helped you deal with your challenges and helped you cope with your trauma. But why is it important for you to now be able to motivate other people and to be able to share your story so that you can motivate people? Why is that important to you? You know what? It's because you have to be a support system. It's so important that we need to take care of each other. Um, I I know a few people that I recruited that did the same thing that attempted suicide. And when you tell your story and they come to you and say, hey, um, I almost did this. And because of your story, I did it. That's what that's what helped me and pushed me more than anything. Um, it helped me realize I have something bigger than just me. It's not about me. My life isn't just about me. It's about helping others. So that's what kind of gave me that clarity to understand that my life is not just mine. I'm here to help others. Yeah. Yeah. So you came in the military, you did your, your stand in the military, you retired, you, you, you found your way to transition to help other women, to help other people in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that transition continue for you? Real quick, before we get into that one, I wanted to lead into, we need to take a quick commercial break, but I did want to, we we've reached the pinnacle in that point of our story. And when we come back, I want to, I want to take that point where you mentioned change and how you're influencing others today. Will you share that with us when we come back? Yes. Excellent. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're here with, for those of you just joining us, we're with Lakeidra Houston and my new host, Teresa Jackson. And we're talking about military sexual trauma. Uh, Teresa uh, and Lakeidra, you both were talking about change and influencing others. And I believe you're asking a question. You go ahead and restate that, Teresa. Yeah, I wanted to find out from Lakeidra, you know, she transitioned from the military and now she's out and she's sharing her story with the world. And I I asked the question about how important it is for her to share that story and why is it important for her to share that story? Yeah, so it's just important just to make sure that I help those who are in need. Um, We definitely need a support system. And so it's so important that I can reach out to other people and say, hey, you know, I've been through where you've been through. Um, Transitioning out the military is tough anyway, because you're trying to figure out who you are. So when you figure out who you are and then you have a purpose aligned with it, it was it's starting to become easier for me to transition out. So 
my thing is there's a lot of us that are struggling. So my job is to make sure I help everybody who's going through the process, anybody who reaches out. Um, a lot of people say we're going to do things, but we don't do it. We just, oh, we'll get back to you soon. But my thing is I have to put in the work. I have to make sure nobody ever suffers and struggles like I did. So. And I think we have that wingman mentality, you yes. know what I'm saying? And we all can share that. I know Steve and I say that to each other all the time, that we're each other's wingmen. But I think that's a term that the military taught us. And we kind of are using that even in our civilian lives to be able to say, I got your six, right? I, I am your wingman. So if you need that support, I'm here for you. So it's great to know that you continue on kind of like that motto and that tradition that you learn in the military and using it to help others. I think that's awesome. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm learning more and y'all have been helping me out with it too. So that's a good thing too. <laughs> One of the things that um, I enjoyed most about being a recruiter is at the time, it was before all the, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and things like that. And I felt like I was changing lives for the better. I was influencing young men and women to find careers that they could use and get skills that they can get out and, and take on the outside. Um, and then as far as trauma goes, you, you mentioned that aha moment where you felt like you have a purpose now. You found that purpose. And and for me, beyond my suicides, I've been through multiple car accidents and, and other traumas where I shouldn't be alive today. And I keep saying, why am I still here? And today I'm giving back just like I was before. And I'm, I'm influencing young minds and, and older minds as well uh, to teach them about the benefits of holistic healing and, and alcohol and the things that we're taught about in the military that were condoned were the things that were actually making things worse for us. And so right. through our organization, the unprescribed, we're given back by, by saving lives and educating others about these sort of traumas and giving inspiration um, to everyone out there to realize that suicide isn't the answer. Like you said, I thought the same thing. It's the easy way out, but you had your son and I had my my mom and we all have family. And when we, we attempt suicide, when somebody survives, it's tenfold on the people around us. And we have to keep that in mind. And yeah. so for the sake of everybody's families as well, and our listeners, I, I want you all to take that into consideration and, and think about it. But today we're we're on a positive note and we're talking about change and we're doing good things. And you have an organization, don't you? You're reaching out to high schoolers and other things. Tell us about what you're doing today and how you're helping others. Yes. So um, I started KeyFit, which is Knowledge Empowerment Unity with the Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. Um, and so basically what I do is I go talk to students about mental health and sexual assault and how to overcome it. Um, also about dating violence, those things. So it's kind of a way for us to empower the youth because some of those conversations are not happening in the home. So it's my, it's my way of giving back and saying, Hey, look, I just want to help you through this, help you understand that you have purpose, you have hope and you don't have to live the way you are. You can, you can be better. So that's kind of what it, what it's about. It's more of a mentoring. So I'm very excited. To, you know, it's starting to take off a little bit more than I expected, <laughs> but, um, and it's me by myself doing it, you know, but Absolutely. honestly, I, I love every second of it. Oh God, tell me about that. I think all three of us, Sharice's doing her own thing. I'm doing it. Yeah. We all need help too. And don't forget to ask for help because that's one of the biggest right. things. Teresa, yeah. you had some yeah. more questions. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say before I got into some more questions is that I just had an aha moment. All of us, you guys were recruiters. I'm a clinician and we all Air Force. And one of the mottos, I'm not sure if you guys remember the motto, service before self. Excellent. That's what we're talking about right now, that we all mm -hmm. are still in that business 
of doing service before self, even outside of the military. And I think that's important for the listeners to know that that stuff that the military taught us, those mottos, those, um, you know, protocols and all the things that the military taught us, we've taken that even to our civilian lives to continue what they taught us. And that was just an aha moment for me. I'm like, man, we're all still service before self. And Mm -hmm. that's so impactful and empowering to people to know that we still put ourselves on the line, even as civilians with that uniform off now to continue to serve people. And I think that's, that's great for all of us to be in that business of serving others. Right. Um, so let's talk about your successes, Lakidra. I know you just talked about your nonprofit, but what other successes have you had? And I mean, I know every day is not a good day. I've been there. PTSD <laughs> is one of those things that just shows this ugly head and you're like, oh my God, what do I do today? Um, so I know every day is not a success story, but what are some of the successes that you're proud of and that you want to share with us today? Man, so the successes I'm proud of is actually, number one, taking care of myself. Because I know you talked about the service before self piece. And there were so so many times I was focused on everybody else that I forgot about myself. So lately, I've been sitting back saying, you need to focus on yourself. Um, even Steve was talking about the holistic. That helped me out a lot because taking these pills was keeping me emotionless. I couldn't mentor people. I was walking around like a zombie and to sit back and say, oh, my God, I feel better. I feel like I can get out of bed. I can go do things. Um, To me, that has been. You can't help others if you don't help yourself first. Correct. So to me, that was the thing, like actually understanding my boundaries, taking care of myself, understanding my triggers, understanding um, you can't help everybody. Uh, try your hardest, you know, but you can't help everybody. So I think those are my successes, actually sitting back and identifying what I can and can't do and being okay with not being okay at moments. So that is to me. Um, and then also going out and helping other people and just being knowing that you have helped somebody and saved their lives. I think that's been the big, those are the biggest success for me. And I think that's so key for people to understand because I think society um, you know, wants everyone to to think that they're OK all the time. And we're right. human. There's no way we can be OK all the time. And I remember doing a lecture um, at a um, elementary school, sixth, seventh and eighth graders. And that's how I opened. I'm like, who in here is OK today? And they all raised their hands. We're OK. We're OK. We're OK. And then by the time we ended, I ended the presentation. These kids were coming up to me. It's like, you know, I'm really not OK. So mm-hmm. we are walking walking through this lot, this journey of life every day, you know, having people think we're okay and we're not. And I think listeners need to understand it's okay to say you're not okay. And then have that person that you're saying that to listen to you so they can help guide you to get the support that you need. So I appreciate you saying that, Lakeidra, because that's so, so profound in our community. Everybody's walking around with this mask over their face and they're carrying this load. And when someone asks how they're doing, they say they're okay, but they're broken inside. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that because we all need to say that sometimes because there's no way we're always okay. That's, I think that's a lie. (laughs) I think that's unrealistic to think we're going to be okay all the time. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with that. I think to me, transparency was healing for me because I wasn't putting a mask up. And as a cop for 10 years, I had this mask up. When I see incidents of sexual assault, I knew I was triggered, but I had to do the job. And I felt like I wasn't able to assist them like I should have because I had had this wall up of I got to be strong. I can't tell them I struggle, too. Um, So when I think transparency happened to me, like it just made me understand, Okay, I'm human. 
I'm going to go through things. I'm going to be judged for how, you know, people see me, but it's okay. Um, so transparency is healing because now you under, you're understanding the true you and you don't have to run in shame anymore. And you don't have to suffer in silence. And that's what we do all the time. We suffer in silence, trying to be so tough and yeah. you don't have to be tough. You do not have to be tough. It's okay. Isn't it relieving when you can just mm-hmm. feel your authentic self and, yes. and and you don't feel like someone is judging you because, you know, you're saying you're not okay. I mean, no one has the right to judge anybody, but my God, if you're not okay, you should feel like I can say that out loud and release that mm-hmm. and not be judged by it because that doesn't show that you're weak. It just says right. today is not a good day, but I'm going to get back on track. And I'm going to make sure that I take care of myself. So I think that's important for listeners to know that it's not a sign of weakness if you say you're not okay, but they can rebound from that by just mm-hmm. getting back on that horse and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm back, I'm going to get back on track and I'm going to continue to move forward. And so with that being said, Lakeisha, that's to me is victory, right? When you're able yeah. to rebound from bad situations and rebound from challenges. So do you think in your life right now, you victorious? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's always tough times, but I think I am because I realize my worth. I 100% understand myself. Um, and then it helped me become a better mother. I was struggling as a mother because I didn't I didn't want to talk to my son about depression. I didn't want to talk. I want him to see this strong person. So I'm victorious in the fact that I could be vulnerable with people and the fact that I can put my guard down and say, look, this is me. Um, and, and it feels refreshing. It feels not to have that shame, that guilt uh, torture. It feels amazing. And then it helps me become a better mother. My son is suffering right now with depression, anxiety. And that's something that I never dealt with. He's self-medicated. And that killed me knowing the fact that what he was doing, I was like, oh, my God. But now just sitting there talking to him and just being open and, and being okay with him understanding who I am and other people. Man, that's to me, that's victorious. To me, it definitely is. So what would you say is your blueprint? Because listeners are going to want to know, okay, Lakeidra went through the military. She had the military sexual trauma. She had the depression. She had the suicide attempt. What would you say is your blueprint? Not to say that it will work for everybody, but what would you say is that blueprint that can help somebody who are maybe maybe struggling with the same things or some other things that are difficult for them to overcome? What's your <clears throat> Number one, I would definitely say seek help because we can't do this alone. Um, whether you go to a therapist or have a support system of different, you know, trauma survivors, to me, you have to seek help. Um, next, I will say you definitely have to understand it is not your fault. We have, you know, bad people in this world that do things to good people. So it's not your fault when these things happen. And just realize you are worth, you know, you are worth being here. You are worth being loved. You're you're worth that. Um, so just understanding those things. When you understand those things, you'll start seeing life differently. So, yeah, definitely seek help is the major one. What are some encouraging words that you would give to listeners? I mean, I know you and I have shared, you know, um, our faith and how we listen to gospel music. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Warren Sapp kind of guy, right? Right. Yes. That's, that's always talking about, you know, thanking people and just feeling like, you know, God was my, my healer. So what would you say are some encouraging words um, to our listeners that they can hold on to or something that they can hold on to when they're feeling like they're in the trenches of darkness? Um, I would honestly say, again, when you're at that moment, get you a good support system. When you're just hurting, you need a support system. And in that moment, you just don't have anybody around. Just remember, 
I'm here for a reason. You're here. You're taking that deep breath. What does that mean? You're here. You're alive. So I would definitely say just focus on the present. Why why are you here? What is your purpose? You may not understand it. It's not always about the journey to something. Just take things at a time as it comes. Don't rush it. Don't rush the process. Don't rush the process of healing. Don't think that something's wrong with you because certain things have happened. It's you're okay. You're going to get through it, but you just need to understand why you're here. You're here for a reason. So absolutely. Yeah. I love the fact that you said, you know, the process, right? So many times when you're in pain and so many times when you are struggling and you want the pain to go away, you want to skip steps to go through the process. But I think what you just said was you have to sit sometimes in that process in order to get through the process. And sometimes you can't, you know, expedite going through that process because I'm sure if people knew how to expedite going through hurt and pain, they will go from step one to step 10 in a matter of um, milliseconds compared to maybe days and weeks. And so why is it important that people sit in that process and work through um, that process? Why do you think that is? Um, Because that's when you truly understand who you are when you sit in it. Um, If you keep on going around doing things to cover up or stop what's going on, you actually, when you sit in it, as is a word I used to say, sit in your S-H-I-T, excuse (laughs) the language. But it was a way for me to sit down because I was always trauma. Okay, I got to do this to get my mind off of it. But when I sat down and say, okay, you are better than this. What happened to you? What's going on? Did you cause this? Do you feel this way? I had to write down my emotions like journal it. And understand none of this had anything to do with me. I didn't seek this. I didn't want this to happen. So what am I going to do now? Am I going to let this hold on to me and just be like a barrier for me from enjoying love and life? Or am I just going to release it and walk through it? I honestly feel when you release it, you take the power away from the perpetrators. So you have to release it. And I think that's the that's the beauty of it. Sit in it, understand it happened. You can't change it, but what are you going to do to fix it going forward? Amen. And that's all it's about. You got to you got to break through that wall. Don't give them the power. Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. So where are you now, Lakeidra? I mean, you're doing a lot of things. Where are you now, and what's what's um, happening for you in the future? Where you want to go? What's where is that like? You know, so weird. Where am I now? So I just started advocating um, in the state of Texas, um, which is amazing. So it's understanding the civilian and, and military lifestyle. Um, but it is, I'm just advocating, I'm out there fighting for us. And um, I'm working on a documentary to talk about the stories of sexual assault victims um, that were in the military. So that's another thing, but I'm in a different space. Um, I'm not struggling trying to figure out why I'm not struggling trying to figure out these things. Like I'm clear and I'm, it, it's about a fight. So right now I'm working about working on fighting and making sure I, you know, uh, do a documentary on those women who are struggling too. They just aren't ready to show their faces, but they want to share their story. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm in a good place. Well, you know, I love to end, you know, interviews with my favorite fill in the blank questions or oh, no. <laughs> fill in the blank type statements. And so I'm not going to hit you with one really, really you know, thought provoking, but I think this is a really great one for listeners to hear what you think off the cuff, on your toes. Um, to kind of enlighten and encourage them. So you ready? (laughs) My name is, and I am filling the blanks. My name is Lakeidra and I am a survivor. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, For most people that follow me, I believe in the three P's, passion, purpose, and people. And I think you totally, totally embrace all three of those three P's. You're passionate about women with sexual trauma. You found your purpose in life, which is advocating and supporting women who are suffering from um, military sexual trauma or any trauma. And your purpose, again, is advocating for people. So mm-hmm. check, check, and check. Uh, I commend you. I applaud you. And I'm so, so grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lakidra, for joining us very much. Well, that yes, does it for this you. episode. Lakidra, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your encouragement you give to others and to you and our listeners. We wish you peace and encouragement to live life to its fullest. Live life unprescribed, live the up life. That's all the time we have for this episode. The Up Life is produced and directed by Steve Elmore. This show is made possible by the help of volunteers from the unprescribed nonprofit and supporters like you. The Up Life is part of the Alive Podcast Network. Live life unprescribed. Live the Up Life. The Unprescribed Inc. is a 501c3 charitable organization. You can make a tax-deductible contribution by visiting theunprescribed.org slash donate.html. Become a patron. Visit patreon.com slash theunprescribed and follow us on social media at theunprescribed.